0: And I'm your host, Carl Hikera, and this is episode number 63, I do believe. And this week on the podcast, my friend Arts is joining us. And um, he is an amazing artist. He he did the logo for my project Althusser, which I'm working on with my friend Alex right now. Um, And many other people's. I have some art from him. that I'm going to be using actually for the Altosir releases once it once we get to that stage. But um, yeah, he's an amazing artist from Mexico, um, and he's also an amazing vocalist. and uh, um, And his he has recently just released two albums, two different projects, separate projects. Uh, last year, at the end of the year, I believe it released around Halloween, there was Knox Fur with Anti Cosmic of Retribution. And just a few months ago, there was Serpent's Lux, and that's LVX in the last one, with Hendekagramekon. I haven't had to say that out loud yet. Adversarial Ethos exoterically Unlocking Shrines of Dissolution, Um, which is a totally separate project from Noxifer, but they're both kind of united in terms of uh, the anti-cosmic type of spirituality behind them. but what's great with the Serpent lux one is that he kind of explores a lot of the his aztec heritage within it and within the kind of anti-cosmic um concepts so um it's pretty cool like uh very different like both projects very much um definitely knocks a bit more in the kind of dissection swedish style of things where the serpents lux is extremely um, a lot harsher And a lot darker in some ways, but, uh, yeah, they're both great projects and I really wanted to, uh, talk to him about those and, um, you know, talk to him about his art and his history, you know, growing up in black metal in the nineties in Mexico and all that kind of stuff we get into the spiritual side of things get into self-improvement you know cleaning up your act if you know what i mean like health stuff um that kind of stuff also kind of comes into it as well as he's a bodybuilder um not at this point in time and um yeah we get into a lot of different things it's a really great conversations. really great talking to him i'm gonna have him back on again at some point for sure um and definitely feel like we have a lot more we can talk about and um uh, yeah, so if you enjoy music talk, you enjoy spirituality talk, you enjoy all the talking about anti-cosmic Satanism, uh, you got it all here in this episode. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we'll be playing uh song each from Serpent's Lux as well as Anoxifer um, around the interview so you can hear both projects and you can go and check his shit out on Bandcamp um, and buy it um, and, you know, however... If you want to get it, I recommend picking them up. So yes, yeah, so is going on this this week? Um, late, our second episode this this week um is going to be uh, uh with Necrofire with Christian Larson from Necrofire, the great Necrofire here from Texas. Um, we and it's a great conversation. Again, somebody who I definitely want to have back on and talk to him even more because we we really could have gone even longer than we did. Um. And yeah, so that's going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward to everyone hearing that one uh, here later on in the week. Um, eventually, we're going to be slowing down on the two times a week uh, thing. But um, I've basically been doing that because I kind of got a little too ahead, if you know what I mean, like whereas like, I want to get some of these episodes out because I'm sitting on, if I don't, I'm going to sit on them for like three months. You know, I didn't want to do that, so probably uh in October we'll be slowing down a little bit um but yeah September's going to be pretty packed with episodes all month uh, so strap your boots on you know make sure you don't uh don't lose them or something <laughs> whatever that means anyways so yes let's get into uh all our plugs and stuff for the episode um we I am part of a gang of podcasters called the horsemen of the podcast apocalypse as i'm sure many of you all are very aware of and every other monday we have horror wolf 666 with brandon legion every tuesday you have into the necrosphere with jackie schmidt every wednesday you have everything went black with mike hill um and of course mike and i are doing our uh our shared series between soul Knox and dark and uh, everything went black called darkness weaves which is all about the work of the great, late Carl Edward Wagner. Um, Thursdays, you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandado, and Jeff Kashid. And then on uh, Fridays, you have the formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. And then um, on Intermediate Times, you have Cheyenne from Trivax with Iblis Manifestations. So, yeah. (coughs) That's uh, that's what's going on uh, with all of everybody. Go ahead and follow everybody on social media and, uh, you know, rate everybody on whatever podcasting you use. Do everything you can to spread the word about The Horseman. We appreciate all the support you guys give us. It's really very validating when I hear from people about how much they enjoy all of our podcasts and, you know, the kind of community that we've been creating of people who uh, listened to everything and I talked to and um, yeah, it's been really awesome uh, being able to reach out and connect with people and uh, also particularly through my Patreon, which is of course, patreon.com forward slash soul knocks podcast um, to do $2 a month and i um trying to at least do two bonus episodes a month uh, with the, uh, yeah, the goal is to have more. I've still been saying that, but uh, some months I have more, some months I don't. But I'm trying to at least always stay around two a month at the very least, unless I have a lot of shit going on. But, uh, yeah, so $2 a month. And, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, some of the guys on the Patreon have gotten to know. Um, and it's been really, really validating and sick to meet all everybody. So, thank you. Um, you can follow me at my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station that I run with my friend Ken. Um we do shows every Tuesday and Thursdays. Um, my show Tuesday is called Dark Lens. It's black metal, death metal, dark ambient, etc. Our Thursday show is um, called The Upstairs Room. It's uh, dark wave, post-punk, goth, all that kind of stuff, shoegaze, whatever. Um, both shows uh, start um, live at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at www denverundergroundradio.com so yeah it's a live show but you can go on our instagram and you can find links to all of the uh the spotify playlists for each episode see what we played keep up to date on the podcast so check all that out like i said my second episode this week is going to be with Christian of, of Fire. um and then next week's episode is going to be uh, with my friend Malzvieri. is making his return uh, about a year after his first episode because he was one of my first guests. He's one of my one of my oldest friends, and um, we're going to be doing our top twenty black metal albums of all time. It's a it was a awesome episode to do. Very inspiring. Talked about all the great black metal albums that we love, and. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. I know that a lot of people uh have expressed interest in knowing more of these kinds of lists of uh things that I like. So yeah, I have a few other ones in the in the works. Um there is a uh um I have one with uh razor eater metal at some point in the future that'll be uh, top 10 uh, uh thrash and speed metal stuff from the 80s. And then I have uh, another one in the works, my friend Sage, which is going to be all about bestial black metal, you know, which is one of my favorite subgenres of black metal. And one which you will see represented on my top 20 black metal albums at the time as well. <coughs> so, yeah, so that's what's uh, in the works for the next couple weeks. And... Um, yeah, so hope you guys uh, enjoy the episode tonight, with the, or today, or whenever you're listening to it, Deprav Arts. Um, I'm going to start it off uh, with a song from. Um, I believe we'll do Noxifer because it's the first one. So, yeah, we'll do the first two songs from that, which is Aeon 218 as the intro and A Sky Full of Nothing. Uh, so, yeah, so hope you guys enjoy the show. Hail, Satan. Thank you
1: me you to the to the podcast. Um, we, um, yeah, I was kind of meaning to have you on for a little while. I mean, because I mean, we've been in contact for, I don't know, when when did I have you had you do my logo a couple years ago, right? I mean, I haven't. Probably, absolutely. yeah, I haven't redone. I still like that that pro, that project's still in in progress, but um, yeah the logo's out there, um, and it's a great logo, but yeah. And then, of course, he came out with the Knoxville album last year, and then the Serpent's Lux one this year, which uh, is fucking really sick. I really like that Serpent's Lux album a lot. Like, So, I was like, checking out, I was like, I gotta get you on, talk about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember when you requested me about the logo art, and I'm not pretty sure how how long it, t- it took me to made it, but uh, I just was uh, thinking about the song you sent me, and it helps me a lot when I am in the creation process, actually. And then, well, yeah, I get, I get that. So it began, it began the, this kind of little relationship, even through internet with the distance and everything, but we are connected at the end of the time with, at the end of comes with music, with the art, but yeah, Noxifer and Serpent's Lux is pretty much that. It gets me active lately in the music.
1: Yeah, cause I think um, well, I guess it's something I was thinking we could get into as well. Like, so can introduce people to like, you know, your history and all that kind of stuff. But like, cause you, I mean, I kind of met you through your art, like you know, as you as an artist, like, which of course, ever you know is a great art you know like i really like what you do with the art and but then finding out you were involved with um were you involved with like black metal stuff like bands like in the past past like in uh like when did you get started like making music and getting in
2: all this kind of stuff like Uh, well uh i'm pretty sure that of course it was back in mexico when i used to live there but it was not very kind of official thing cuz I was with a friend and we just started from nothing just like you know kind of a hobby or something to to make like a to have some fun for ourselves um then it came came out the the new new friends that I knew so it started to grow up little by little but I remember Okay, this was kind of messy thing. Cause never was like, uh let's record, let's make an album, let's make something." Was the whole the old school st- style, you know, in the cassette, little cassette, you, and you are recording your rehearsal just like that. And suddenly, you think, "Oh, this may work like a demo." So uh, I believe that we started having quite a lot of demos, probably five. You know, within right. the early two thousands, of course. In that time, those were the times where still we, we all have this kind of motivation to create and then try to take it a little bit uh, serious than the, the the just excitement about play or have some drinks in the concerts, meet some people, you know. Yeah, it's kind of progression anyway.
1: What was your first... It
2: took like 20, 20 years ago. I can I can relate. So.
1: Right, yeah. I mean that's when I started as well, as like twenty years ago. And um what was your first um what was your first band called or did you have like a, a name for it? Or you just or are you just kinda of making music like?
3: Well
2: I need to go back to my <laughs> early, early 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 nineties, I believe. Um no, not early nineties, but late nineties, yeah before the whole thing of the UK. Um I guess that, I don't know why, but I was in the first ever concert of Impaled Nazareth. I didn't get in the concert because I was uh, told about the, I was too young to enter to the concert. It was only for people uh, from 18 years up, you know? Right. Yeah. And I used to stay out of the concert, but I can uh, understand everything from the outside. In the streets, uh, I remember also it was a lot of people drinking and having fun there. And I remember that it was, you know, just to listen to that music suddenly. I wasn't familiar with Impalaid Nasser back in the days because it was so much hard to get into the CDs. Everything was with the tape trading and, you know, that i believe that, that that was my first uh kind of um, you know not an illusion but aspiration that i was thinking oh man uh it could be great like to perform a scream like that like like make <laughs> a latino you know right maybe from then i consider myself like oh okay i want to be the front man you know like to a, like uh psychopath like a chimpanzee you know satanic <laughs> chimpanzee or something like that because i was literally into impala nothing just right away after that right yeah
1: the, uh, yeah because so you, yeah you're doing I suppose i didn't mention it earlier but yeah you, d- you do vocals for for all the all the projects and the um yeah back uh was it easy like that is a question, actually. Is so in Mexico, like in the late nineties, early two thousands, was probably was it hard to get hold of CDs, or was it kind of like? Uh, the-
2: actually, yes, and and there's one thing that next to me it was this this person, right? This now it's my friend. Oh, many years. uh he's more in, in Mexico. We have a uh, this 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 kind of thing like. You have your father, but also you have your metal father, you know, who right. teaches you, who gives you some tapes, uh, cassettes, and you start to know some bands. And so he was kind of like that with me. Um, but that pretty much was everything tape trading. I never saw physical CD format until I got into the 2000s, you know, because the whole CDs. It was like, uh, just to keep it for themselves, uh, and they w- and they wanted to tell you, if you want to check out no, uh, some new music, I will to put it on a cassette for you, on a tape, so you can listen in your home, you know, but I don't will give you anything like a copy of my CD. I uh, right. it was even hard to, in Mexico, to get a copy. <laughs> a CDR, actually, was uh, not very common in Mexico back in the day, it was only the... You know, they, this kind of copy Xerox uh, paper, and I go, I got a lot of actually very cool things. Uh, very many bands I knew to this, to this to this friend, but I remember that I changed. This was like a trade. It w- wasn't like free. You know, uh, the first one was free, but the next, the next thing that if I want to know more more bands, uh, I had to give him a beer. You
1: know, Yeah, <laughs> you had to pay him beer <laughs> to get
2: <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I wasn't I wasn't yet legal to buy beer so I had to ask to uh, somebody else I believe I asked to my uncle, back in the day I remember that he used to listen even to Ozzy Osborne, and kind of things like, you know, Ozzy Osborne, credence traditional things, but they kind of a mix and I remember I saw the tapes he owned and I was just like, "Oh, this is barkatimun Moon." He owned me back at the Moon, and I was like, "Oh, what the hell? This kind of werewolf thing." And it was Aussie, right? Yeah. And from from then, I remembered I I met this guy, and you know, it just kind of pop up, started everything. Yeah. The cor- the corruption of my soul. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> the uh, started getting into the into the harder stuff, so to say. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember he used to give me kind of little taste of everything because in a single tape, he used to record uh, since Judas Priest and suddenly Cannibal Corpse, the bleeding, you know, like,
3: fuck.
2: <laughs> 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 you are just having fun with Judas Priest and suddenly start some brutal stuff to your ears. So you are like uh, quite not understanding why is this like, you know. It's very sinister, deep thing about this, and I was so much more fascinated every time. So I asked for more, for more, and of course, and uh, mm-hmm. all he, he just helped me about this this thing, you know, yeah, my my evolution.
1: What was the first uh black metal thing that you heard? Like, uh, oh,
2: black, mm-hmm. oh, black metal, I do remember because it was this friend. Uh, he gave me this compilation tape uh, from Portugal, um, this name, Teach Your Soul With Fire. And it was the number one of the compilation. And it was the very beginnings of Blacky Metal because it was there, I remember bands very underrated right now, but on those times they were only beginning, you know it was Philuranium uh, Infernalium from Portugal of course I rem- I do remember. but also I remember um, other bands primigenium uh, from Spain, very underground and classic black metal um, uh, from the popular side, I could say that uh, in this compilation tape also it was um, my Hemic truth, Mm. kind of popular but of course still in the underground but yeah. i do i i cannot mention right now the whole dance because actually was quite a lot uh, of bands but mainly which i do remember are these ones because uh, it was this kind of mystic uh, aura between them and i was fascinated about it
1: right yeah that's an that's definitely an interesting like in on to black metal you know like a lot of people and meet and talk to you, it's like, you know, Emperor and Nightside Eclipse or, you know, something like this, you know, like one of those kind of bigger ones. And to get kind of into it through like kind of a compilation like that, I think is, is pretty cool. You know, as like. Yeah,
2: uh, l- later. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and then after some years, um, probably no many years ago, probably five years ago i discovered the person who made this compilation he's from portugal and he sent me a copy of the number four compilation which i never heard mm-hmm. i never listened of. so i own now the the number four who was very very cool
1: nice so did, is he still like making those compilations because i actually never heard of that, that compilation before like
2: well the name the name i, I don't know if he's still running the label but I guess that it was Crypto Productions, and well, his name is Luis Neto. Mm. He's from Portugal, and I mean, he must be very well, very well known in, in back in Portugal for that. Ah, uh, also in that in this in this tape was Moonspell. I do remember as well.
1: Right, yeah, Moonspell. Yeah, Moonspell, they, are great. When they used to be black metal. Yeah, like their early uh, EP stuff it's like more black metal yeah yeah i mean i like i like all moon spell stuff but um it's definitely something special about their real early like more black metal stuff the um of course yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Por- portugal has seen like i i know that it's kind of like bigger now i have I'm not like super like um what's the word um familiar with like what's going on in portugal but i i keep i hear about it. there's like a lot of bands coming out of there now like in spain portugal I think, area i need to
2: well, of more. course, nowadays, yeah. nowadays, like in the whole world, it must be quite of a big success for black metal worldwide. I mean, through the internet and the communications are so much, such so, such a good tool to know everything, right? But in Portugal, I do remember that there's quite a classic scene that it works. it.
1: Yeah, I know bands like, uh, well, I don't know, is Corpus Christi? I think they're Portuguese, right, or they Spanish?
2: Yes, okay. they are from there. They yeah. are. They are uh, uh, very, very well. Um, they're they're very well known in the underground, of course. I do remember that my first approach it was to the um, LP, which is the Torment Continuous, I believe the name
1: of the yeah.
2: LP. I think that was and my first deal. Well. Yeah, and then after that, uh, when I later started to to live in in, in Russia. Uh, i went to the cons- to a festival and, they, and it happens they were playing this in this festival in moscow so they uh, I, I i changed uh, some kind of points of view with the, the vocalist ideas we had uh, well some words between and after this then four years later i was in mexico last time and they played mexico for first time and i meet again with the vocalist oh nice that's <laughs> pretty no not so i mean was an unusual <laughs> thing but very cool
1: yeah it's kind of like kind of funny, funny for him like run into you in Port- russia and then run into you to mexico
2: like <laughs> yeah 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 he wants he must believe really diana super fan die hard and i wanted to see it in, <laughs> in moscow and also in mexico yeah.
1: yeah i don't know yeah that's funny the um when do, when did you start doing your art because um that was probably how long have you, have you been like doing your art because i think like i said i got i became introduced to your artwork i don't know six years ago or something like that
2: Okay, and so well,
1: I'm, I'm sure you've been doing it for much longer than that, like for a while. But
2: well, as long as I have memory, when I was just a kid, a little boy, I used to draw everything that came came to my mind. You know, even the the walls of my my parents' house. Right. But into the metal thing, um, more focused, of course, mainly for black metal. It was with the logotypes. and it started probably in the early two thousands is when I started because mainly because I started to design my own logotype for the band I was in, in that in those times. Right. Yeah. But then after that, uh, I don't know how it happened, but somebody else, I believe it was friends, and they asked me for logotype design because they knew that I for myself, uh, for my band so I believe that that was the ignition for, for this kind of thing that it happened and later I was doing a lot of logotypes uh, in the early 2000 2000 2000 till I don't know 2005 or six. was mainly only exclusive logotypes for bands, not only Mexico but USA Europe and you know right
1: started like spreading yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah because you've done uh, yeah it's funny because because once you kind of i've, I've seen a lot of bands i'll see your logos like like you know just like on the, you know you see all these bands like oh there's there's a, there's a logo you know <laughs> like there's a lot oh. of bands who yeah see a lot of bands yeah. using it or um or your art i noticed like um um i've seen like even some books like with your art I think that people use your art and stuff. So I forget what it was. My friend yeah. shared one. Yeah.
3: I do
2: remember there are some publications with my art. Um, probably Logos from Hell. I do remember. um other couple, which I don't quite remember right now because it was like 10 years ago or a little more. Right. But uh, I don't know. I Sometimes I don't have. Uh, lot of sense about I don't get so much um, attention you know, where are, where is the band, where is the band which I which I work the low type or the R, you know Yeah. Yes, I try to keep busy anyway but but it's good that it, you know, that I feel that it's kind of spread already um, but of course it's anyway at the end of the day it's just underground and I'm doing it only, you know not only to get something that changed, but more more than all, the satisfaction, right, of creating software. Right. With the, with the
1: kind of ex- expressing yourself, particularly with your, your actual artwork, like the covers and drawings and stuff you're doing. It's kind of like expressing your whole kind of vision of black metal, right? You know, like, um, I feel like a lot of your work taps into definitely like the spiritual side of black metal, like, um, um, very well, you know, like, so I think that's why, like, um, I think that's one of the strengths of your artwork is that, you know, that you're coming from it in a serious way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, not, well, first. it's not just like, uh, I mean, just doing it for the sake of doing, you know, there's some artists who just do art and, you know, for the paycheck but like for your your art seems to come from like a you know even when you're doing particularly like your art you do for yourself it seems to come from a genuine kind of place of expressing this kind of spiritual essence of black metal you know
2: yeah of course it always had been that way Uh, i mean um, and even when i started making the first logos in the first years in the very first years i believe my book my 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 prize the budget that i was asking for was not even twenty dollars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> was it quite, quite very cheap? Because, was in Mexico. I was very, you know, living uh, my life in the, ho- in the in my youth, in the home of, house of my parents, and I uh, the whole thing that I wanted is is just to collect music and drink beer, you know, and spend yeah. the time with my friend as much as I can. Yeah. that's why it wasn't. Of course it was kind of a spiritual side but in that aspect um not just me but we were quite of young people still and uh, we only wanted to try to find uh what kind of a style not only in the music but our own ideas you know and i remember uh it was very special because you all have this kind of help with a lot of expensive, fancy, esoteric books like nowadays, or even tutorials of esoteric things in internet back in the days. So and it was very much natural, I believe. So uh, very crazy journey, that, which one I, of course, I feel nostalgia, but uh, I mean, it's, it's something that it makes me proud of it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Back in early 2000s, and that period of time, like, um, it's totally different than now. Like when it comes to like esoteric and occult type of aspects, or like, um, I mean, you didn't. There really wasn't like anything out there, more specifically to the kind of darker or satanic type of viewpoints. You know what I mean? Like you were, you had like, you know, satanic Bible or like I remember like Michael Ford started releasing his books around then, but
3: no, I remember.
1: yeah, but that's about that's a that's about it. You know, nowadays there's like you know a thousand there's like a million <laughs> esoteric books you can buy yeah and all those yes. kinds of stuff.
2: <laughs> you can manifest now your own point of view about everything so there's so many routes from wherever you, you you are looking for yeah
1: i think the one benefit though from at being kind of like more limited back then though is that i think you had to kind of um find your own way a little bit more you know like for, yes of course be, yeah it was a little bit <laughs>
2: that that's something that not not many people and not many bands could do nowadays. Well, not nowadays probably much more than before. But before it was it was so much more special in a way because they were uh, having the tools that they have at the moment, so they created their own ideas, their own style, and I I believe that it makes a difference between. This this kind of eras, this this times of the two thousands and nowadays, you know, it was like a, it was so much more special before. I am not denying that nowadays there's a lot of special things and potential in bands and individuals, but but before it was you know like the caveman esoteric times <laughs> we were <laughs> living for.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was definitely. Um, I think. Um, yeah, there's just just good and bad. I mean, I think that it's nice to have access to more information and, you know, be able to get, you know, some cool books and whatever to do your researches. But um, I actually found for myself, like, particularly um, recently, kind of going back a little bit to that kind of inspiration from, you know, in my early 20s or whatever, like when it was more like just primal, like trying to, like, connect with these things, like, you know... On my own in a way like and going back to those kind of things that you realize when you're in that stage of of kind of you know spiritual awakening or whatever like there's like a there's kind of a um a power to some of those things because because there's like a um um it's pure you know what i mean like you're you're purely uh, connecting with certain types of things and and feeling that energy and you're not like encoding it with all this information that you know so it's kind of good sometimes to To reconnect with those kind of uh more primitive types of uh types of understandings you know what i mean
2: (laughs) uh i i guess in a way it's a a progression as i said before kind of evolution in which you find yourself more than trying to copy the others you know um and i believe that the circumstances of life it kind of makes you approach to the things that you truly feel and truly know that are pure and true. Uh, probably in my case, of course, in my youth, and um, probably the, bef- be- before the, mm, like probably 20, 10 years ago, I was kind in a vacuum, you know, cause experiencing a lot of things that it was like a vicious cycle in all the ways of life, not only music, but relationships, friends and bullshit. And there's a point in which you are reaching the bottom. And I believe that only there, where when you are just by your own, with the help of no others, is when you can find uh, yourself, or you can to try to reach um, with your own hands. Uh, the, the old self, you know, the truly thing that kind elevates you to a superior level, not only spiritually, but also physically.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I kind of experienced that too, probably around 10 years ago. um Well, yeah, 7 seven to 10, that period of time, I had a, a real dark period of time where it's like, you know, you kind of hit that <clears throat> bottom, you know what I mean? Like where you kind of, it's like a real, I, I always... Kind of see as like a negretto you know like in the alchemical sense it's like
2: yes of course you need yeah. to die in this life to revert to get the revert reborn
1: yeah exactly and and then when you find that point you kind of rise up like you may you find like a lot of make be able to make like a lot of changes in your life for the better you know
2: indeed i i, I must say that i feel very yeah, identify myself with this, of course. I was before just looking for the notion of uh, perdition, um destruction of my own not only physically but mentally, you know, because I was so obsessed about the kind of things that were deep in the dark side but that kind make the person feel much more like a inhuman thing, you know. Yeah. And I believe that there, when you cannot com- comprehend totally or control certain things, you will be only upside downhill.
3: And yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I always kind of look at it as like um, when you're connecting to that kind of uh, totally unhuman aspects and it's starting to like destroy, you know, it's like I think that's that's part of the process. though. So you kind of have to go through it, you know, and, and, um, um what's the word kind of integrate that so that you have kind of control over over that where you're not like being destroyed I mean I know I mean, yeah, some, of course.
2: yeah I I'm, do I do I do I'm familiar with that because I mean I want to say uh I was thinking before probably if I am by the side of the fire I need to fight fire with fire you know But it is not that way so so much easy because instead of helping you you are destroying yourself actually when you think that oh the solution is destruction the solution is to be rebel without any cause. uh, there's no there's no sense to follow that that that, that fast you know
1: yeah following it too far i mean there's always a point where you have to uh to go beyond that and um i guess create a new self where it's like it's not just pure destruction just destroying yourself destroying everything around you you know like um you have to become uh become stronger i think that that all is just a path to become stronger and kind of you know
3: well
2: i can i can of course relate to this and also this is only an example but if you check up uh about the legends of the greatest heroes of history in the world they have this kind of progression as well. They are weak. They are uh, they are upside 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 down the whole time. And suddenly, there's something that happened that motivates them to grow up slowly. And this is a thing, like a universal thing that is with chinos.
1: Yeah, you can even see it in say, like the tarot with like the whole like the hangman, and then uh, you, you end up becoming the higher fan. You know what I mean? Like you have to go through this period of. Of,
2: yeah. I, I, yeah, of course, I, I, I do not repent of the whole hardships that I was creating for myself and to others, because if it wasn't for that, uh, probably I will not be the, the person that today I am, right? Because today I can admit that I am happy and I'm comfortable with myself and fuck everything, everything else, you know?
1: Right, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the, uh, the side of... um with like kind of darker spirituality, a kind of satanic or however you want to describe it. Like, it's kind of like there's like this destructive phase and then there's this phase of like becoming something greater in a way, you know what I mean? Where you, and that they're both parts of this type of current, you know what I mean? Like, because part of the whole path is becoming something stronger. Like, you know, you want to be, you want to be the black sun. You don't want to just be destroyed. You know what I mean? You want to kind of like, Rise up and be able to look at your life and be like, yeah, I like I like being alive right now, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, it, this kind of instinct that actually not many could comprehend right away, but I believe that this is something that is, um, in a way, reflected, um more or less in the in the in the sense of exoterically talking within our genetic when you understand uh, that there's this connection not only in your blood but with the whole world around with the energies or whatever you want to call it you would like to call it but when you get this maturity uh, from the circumstances of adversity then you realize that you can grow up just um, to rise up and you know to, from the ashes like the phoenix right yeah
1: exactly i think oh yeah and again this is the alchemical idea you know you reduce everything to ashes and then you rise up and with the uh, mercury and you know can become something greater it's it's all, all that stuff's a purification process it's kind of like uh getting rid of uh i think it's it's good to be kind of hostile to certain aspects of the human mind and um and cl purify yourself a little to a certain degree because we're the average human being out there in the world. Who's not, you know, doesn't have this kind of black flame of, of, of self-knowledge or whatever is kind of, you know, just walking around like, like dead sleeping things in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Like, and we all have, there's like a certain amount of programming, a societal and social programming, cultural programming that occurs that you have to kind of, rise above and find the eternal within ourselves and the only way you can really go through that process is is this kind of destruction you know
2: yes of course is the wisdom of the few to follow your own path but you cannot do that just so easily because you need to be in, you have you have to be in first in your own hell you know uh, and then it follows up for a better hell, or let's say a heaven, heavenly hell. Yeah. Because uh, I, I do think that probably in my younger times, uh, when I reflect about it, I saw the figure of Lucifer, like, uh, you know, the rebel angel, the fallen one. And I was thinking, oh yeah, that's so cool, so rad, you know, he was rebel, fuck you God, so... He fall to hell, but he returned to rule his kingdom. And uh, this is something that probably most of the youth feel like identify themselves with this kind of history. But within the with the years uh, as as they are progressing, you start to understand this figure and you saw it. And you see it much more uh, by the point of view and the focus of metaphysical uh, manners and you realize that it was not just a kind of history to scary, to make it, to provoke some scary things in people, but uh, it's so much deeper and spiritual than the traditional history of the Bible,
1: yeah, well if you think about it like the idea of uh, in Milton like um Better to reign in heaven than or better to reign in hell than serve in heaven you know I think that there's a kind of aspect of it of rebellion but then becoming a king in your hell you know what I mean like a kind of like it's better to rule like rather than just being like um serving some type of you know like some type of
2: and you can build your own hell but it doesn't mean that it has to be something bad you know. No. Yeah. And it can be your own hell, but at the same time, it's a glorious place where there's no conflicts about, you know, who, who, what I am doing here, who I am, uh, or, or inflicting pain on others. You know, it's a powerful place that you build for yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's a powerful place, and you don't. Yeah, like you said, it's not about inflicting pain upon yourself and others. I mean, I think that that's definitely um, my understanding of my experience, because there's a lot of people, there are. I think there are. You know, there's some people who might <clears throat> follow their own paths and it might be total destruction or something. But for me, it's 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 more like what we're talking about now. You know, like uh, self-overcoming and and creating a your own hell and being strong in that hell. You know,
2: <laughs> I like that. Of course, and uh, not so many people can accomplish these kind of things and. Because it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy task as well. And I do, I do believe that uh, within each person there's this universe, this cosmos. But if they are not uh, making the decision of ignite this, this, this world they they own, they will still like a death moon floating around. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's it. That's a very really good way of putting it. Because like everybody everybody has their has this connection has this cosmos like you said that um yeah there's a lot of people out there who are just ghosts you know they're just like um wandering around you know like completely asleep you know just enslaved by the forces of of the world um and it's kind of like um i there's an author gustav mayor he calls it the world of ghosts It's like all these people like just kind of wandering around in the fog. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like that's what I see around. Yes,
2: I do remember as well. I I, I do remember as well. Another that says that that said that every time I go to the street, I see mutilated men. I see people with opinions of television uh, with blind eyes watching the world. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious yeah, and it's a reflection of our days as well and this person wrote all these things many many years ago it wasn't even internet yet you know so it's a pretty good thing that is it transcends uh, shamelessly
1: yeah yeah it's definitely it's definitely probably even worse now <laughs> but i guess uh you know people yeah always talk about the kali yuga or whatever but yeah just like right now it's it's definitely um different i feel like people don't live as like as um vitally as they used to overall like because they're so enwrapped in their phones and their entertainment and stuff they're not really paying attention to the world around them like particularly if i compare if you look at like even the early 2000s i feel like people were living life in a bit more a bit more real way than they do now you know
2: <laughs> like yes i uh, I, do remember, I do i can agree with that because I remember back in the 2000s. I mean, just having this kind of tape, the copy, not even an official tape of my favorite band, it was like, whoa, it was like million dollars
3: <laughs> that yeah. moment.
2: And to listen, you know, in the analog way as well, pretty rad, pretty cool. And when I met the first time the CDs, it was like, whoa, there's uh, this little book I can. Reading the notes, I can watch the lyrics and to read the lyrics, understand everything. Probably mainly that's why one of the reasons that I know English, because I was always obsessed with the lyrics, and I try to understand what they, the, what the hell they are talking about, about what 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 is the meaning of all these these sentences.
1: Right. So you kind of like taught yourself English through reading um, <laughs> lyric booklets and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah that's awesome
2: yeah yeah in, in any case we had a school like in the days you know, normal classes of English but it was a plus of course a very a very good option we had back in the days
1: right kind of like uh gave you that that uh extra what's the word extra push to learn <laughs> like yeah. yeah yeah the um what was' I gonna say the uh the what, a, so like, since I've known you, the only music that you've like released has been an Oxifer and Serpent's Lux, which I want to get into a little bit more as well. But I was going to say, like, what are some other like albums or things you've released that you've done vocals on, like in the past? Have you, have well, you in the it?
2: past, I could say
3: mm-hmm,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, I do remember there's quite a of a few releases, but not officially released, you know, right back in the days, it was so much hard to release an album or even a demo to spread it out, do it to the tools that wasn't at our hand. And but of course, there are some demos, demos, uh, probably in YouTube, I could find them, Um but they are kind of uh. Um, no, not not, something that it could be a remark right now because right well you know what days when i started this thing of noxifer it was just like uh well finally we can make the thing that we want to <laughs> back right. in the days you know because we have the tools we have the chance Oh, even in the professional studio was recorded so we cool. didn't have any of those things <laughs> back in the days right Um it was a very good experience because i think that the last 20 years they were reflected immediately in this recording of knoxifer
1: right it's so knoxford is kind of like the been, culmination of years worth of kind of like like how did knox how let's let's talk about noxifer and see like how did how did that kind of come about like i mean is it your, your friend uh did the music you've been friends with for a long time or like
2: yes, that, yes. So uh, he used to be he used to be the drummer in the van 20 years ago. He only played drums, I remember. But he had the notion as well to make compositions with the guitar, but officially he wasn't playing the guitar. He was drummer and very good one last time. And then uh, I believe that um, he just started. to, start to he was showing me some of their projects he had in mind and cuz as well I know that he's very uh, great fan about the swedish uh, more, let's say melodic black death metal scene as, as i as i am as well yeah uh, he he shared with me a few tracks he started to record and i said oh very interesting uh, it, it seems that if you release this someday, it will be like, uh, it will make a success, uh, Not but much more uh, satisfaction uh, uh, for, for yourself, of course. And I believe that it happened after that um, some months. And he invited me, asked me if I wanted to participate with my vocals and skills with the lyrics. And... I of course <laughs> agreed in the moment because I I really like the music and the idea he he was uh, proposing me to create this and and to find out what happened next. So it was kind of a natural thing because as we worked before, wasn't any hard for me, even for him to adapt to my style.
1: Right. So it's kind of like uh... yeah, because is first... Definitely more in the I could I, only, I hear that when I listen to it, I definitely feel like it's kind of definitely in the dissection Swedish type of type of uh, mm-hmm. influence stuff like the um and did you write all the lyrics for it or
2: yes I did the uh, lyrics only my friend he he gave me the idea well he gave me the let's say the to start. He named the uh, one of a couple of songs. He na- he already had a name for the songs. So the thing that I did was just uh, to be basic with these two songs with the with the titles, and then I just start to roll up.
1: <laughs> right. The um, of course, Knox for like this the whole um, this project. I, well, both projects are kind of very inspired by the kind of. Uh, anti-cosmic like 218 current right like the yeah. ideas with the lyrics and everything
2: yes yes it was strictly that way um, of course kind of mixing as well a little bit uh, let's say a kind of much more introspective feelings but not like very pretty obvious because the main thing it was like to make um a, uh, a channel for the, uh, the cosmic current of course but yeah right. it could be that the a, a good percent is by the side of the agnostic
1: uh, right kind of drawing on that like but in your own but in your own way
2: <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. as well he gave me he gave me total freedom and I wanted to express myself and um, with the true satanism that I already well, I'm very familiar because probably before I wasn't so familiar, or I had some kind of notions. But as I grow older, uh, I realized that this was not not just a kind of game; it not just it's not just a thing about music. So I wanted to make it so much clear that this is a religious path to follow and to mix with the music.
1: Right, the music's a um, an expression of this kind of. As a religious, yeah, yeah. it's in a, a channel, a current for it to express itself.
2: Yeah, I can say that if, uh, 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 in my own uh, talking for in my case is the uh, I got uh, this kind of maturity not only in my life but also in the ways that I that I see. The, the whole things that uh, used to surround me before and I was kind of neglected and I wanted I didn't want to go deeper and then I I did this kind of introspection and finally I met with these forces so I married with them finally spiritually
1: right and it's kind of an expression of of that that experience the um yeah the of course Let's see. i love the artwork you did for it as well like with the um i'm very fascinated with the idea of the headless kind of figure you know what i mean like um um i think it's called asahal you know like with the how you have in the artwork the the head disappeared and then it's just like a black sun basically like i think that's very powerful uh imagery and the dra- draconian eye and everything like all the imagery on the artwork is very powerful and expresses i think the the music you know
2: well, yeah, this was a kind of, let's say, um, religious work, because I do not consider that it was planned that the cover art was it, it was it was about to be this way. Uh, the whole idea when I was creating it was the death of the ego and the uh, resurrection of this uh, of your spirituality of this spirit that uh, that already renounced the make the renunciation of the whole things that are material and that distract us from the important things beyond. Right. Yeah, it's
1: definitely carries that that essence, I feel like. Yeah, like, was it something that you just kind of, like, okay, now I'm going to do the art and uh, just see what it comes out and it expresses itself, like, naturally? Is that kind of like your... Yeah, yeah,
2: I, actually... Yes, that the process was... I, I do remember that I did kind of a sketch, but it was made uh, directly on the canvas. And the whole colors, the whole things of shades, it just came naturally, actually. Yeah. But I do remember that I wanted to manifest the death of who I used to be and to renew it through this art. Right. So it's and the like, music as well.
1: So it's kind of like the, the for album in a lot of ways is an expression of the stuff we were talking about earlier, like the whole kind of transformation and, you know, rising, you know, re, rebirth of, of yourself in a way, you know, just kind of knocks for is like um, an expression of this. Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. For me, it was like a kind of revenge uh, for myself, for the whole things that, it uh, wasn't fair that uh, I wasn't building already, because uh, so many wasted years, um, and I wanted just to fill it, fill them with anger, with anger, with with fury, but in an expression of a religious way, a religious way. So it came up, uh, like a let's say the um, redemption of my own, <laughs> of my own, and uh, yeah, kind of uh something that you mentioned before about the new grido, that you need to die to get into the dirt to renew yourself in a more alchemical way
1: yeah yeah i think that um i feel like that that energy is very present when i listen to the to the for album it has a has a lot of power to it too like it feels like a very self-empowering album in a lot of ways you know what i mean like Feels so like a very rising up type of album, like and the energy, like even a musical, like the decided the music that that your friend made for it as well. So I think the kind of things seem to combine together. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. See, the was uh, like just as we, as human beings, we are a microcosmos, you know, and the manifestation as well through the art, through the music, whatever you want to call it, is the same thing, you know. As we rise, as we go forward, but as well we can go onwards or upside down, and but always on in motion. And the spirit and our life can go that way, just like the music, you know. So it's a kind of reflection of everything. And once that you understand the empowerment that it could have the whole formulas of the uh the, the anti-cosmic path, the current. It's something like you just found the your own holy grail, you know, because it's not just like I will copy the whole things that I already learned from, you know, from this section or from what time. No, it's something that I want to express to this uh, music, the whole spirituality that I feel that I have kept within within myself from many years and I cannot... And I couldn't express before, you know? Right. It was just an opportunity to open up
3: about it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's expressing your own kind of expression of this path. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was really, really nice to have this ability to finally kind of express this in the way that you wanted to, you know, after, particularly after years of not being in that kind of position where you could do that, you know?
2: yeah it was it was a relief in a way in which um i do believe that i was kept myself in silence from quite quite of years into the well in the in the ways of uh, music expression right yeah um, i was kind of manifesting this only through my art but as I was doing the vocals of the whole process of creation as well, which I was doing, not just the logo type of the band, but uh, inside arts as well. Um, it was something that it made me to go on forward and and to kind of see what happens later. You know, um, I guess then there's no boundaries when you think that um, when you think that you are uh, in silence, you are. Keeping yourself for other times, uh, there, there's, there's no, no kind, no, no, there's no, no, no force that could impose, uh, in front of you if you just already drop yourself into the abyss, and in this case is, the abyss of this uh, current of the, two eighteen, right,
1: yeah, I think um, you know. I always found in my path, a part of it was connecting and integrating with this kind of abyss or out the void, as I call it at times, like it's like becoming a current for that, you know, and into the, into life. And there's part of that that can be for a long time. I had a period where I didn't express myself very much. It was like kind of in silence, as you said, for yourself as well. Um, but then it's, it's very, um, I think that there's something when you finally reach that point in which you can express yourself like there's a lot of power, you know, like where you're like, oh, kind of finally I'm like unleashing, you know, and and kind of channeling this these forces into the world again, you know, like, I think that uh, there's a lot of inspiration that can be can, can be gleaned from that. I mean, these these things do have like a there's a there's an apophatic like silent element to them, where sometimes the words aren't quite enough to express but. At the same time, when you do find that kind of symbolic language to use to express these things, it's, it's very empowering, you know?
2: Yes, it's, it's like when you used to... I, I can't give you an example. I can give you an example about this. Because before in my younger days, I do remember that I used to hate mathematics, you know? Even, you know, the whole thing, the whole idea of going to the classroom, listening to the teacher with the mathematics, the whole numbers. But once that you started to get into the current of the occultism in a serious way and you quit to the whole uh, bullshit that it 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 comes with the you know the the metal scene the people the whole gossips and who is more evil than than others and things like that you understand mathematics are magic and you see that even the the ancient uh, magicians of babylonia used to to create these numbers the arabian numbers you know and this is whole magic and you start to see the formulas of anticosmic gnosis and you start to f- see even from your own culture in my case the, the mexicans the Aztecs, the mayans whatever you call it they also have this whole numbered things uh, ideas and currents in between and this is because mathematics are magic and the original magic so do not yeah. deny your classes of, of <laughs> mathematics. And, and I already, I can tell you already that I just know a long, long time ago, I just started to learn mathematics. But well, seriously, because I already know that mathematics are magic, are true magic. And are a manifestation of the other side as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I kind of had... Some experiences with all this stuff, like at a certain point I, I kind of had the realization I was like I suddenly saw what people were saying when mathematics can kind of tap into the very like essence of creation or whatever, you know. I mean suddenly it's something you just kinda of realize. You start seeing that and I'm definitely math is definitely not my, my not my strong point at all. But I definitely had a also had an increased interest in mathematics after after a period of time because you just start seeing how these numbers operate and how they can be used to unlock certain things in the world around you and you know i think um yeah it's very powerful it's very powerful when you start realizing that you know
2: <laughs> yeah and, and, it's, and it's not just uh some, something casual that happens in life when you get a number uh, for your birth for your birthday i mean even when you get a number for your own apartment for example everything has a connection with this whole spiritual world. And as I told you before, we are the manifestation of the cosmos. We are the microcosmos because I can relate to my own uh, birthday, <laughs> which happens to be in August and the number of my birthday, it was in the twelve, and the number of the apartment in which uh, um we are here is the six six three, and the number of the apartment of my of of, of my girlfriend, uh, well, my girlfriend, my wife already, right? Yeah. <laughs> the 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 number of her apartment where he, her parents are living is one two eight. You know, so I was thinking whether. Well, uh, thing that the manifestations of anti cosmic gnosis are reflect are, are kind of giving me a, a sign you know a signal already
1: right but i think when you see those things like the uh jung always talk about the synchronicity you know and the connection with the causal and a causal you know what i mean like that synchronicities are a, a kind of um um expression of the a causal into the causal like and i definitely agree with that you know like i think that when you're having this kind of synchronicities and things like that, that that's generally a good sign, I think that you're on the right path. Yeah, there. yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And it gave me, let's say that it gave, it gives me, even if they are kind of meaningless things are, let's say mundane things for me, are just just a manifestation of the great work or the things of the things that I am um, accomplishing. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think it should be that way. Like, for me, my this spiritual path is not separate from my daily life. They're both connected. They're intertwined. You know, like great Some people have this idea that oh, they're two separate things, but they're not. They're they should be one and the same. You should be living your spiritual path, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. You know, they're not. Then you, you do you can yeah. have you can have ritual times where you go into ritual space and do your mad. Do you like? spell ritual to connect with forces or do whatever do magic but that that doesn't but that's but you're still in that spiritual space even when you're not doing that you know what i mean it's, it's always around you yeah even even when
2: you are doing um things that it could be very not, not so much important for for the for for others for example the first thing that I do in the morning is to make up the bed. <laughs> to you know, the the common things that very very little things, but that make you makes you understand that there's an order from the chaos. From the chaos, it comes order anyway, and you need to keep in that circle because it's the natural way of things. Yeah. Because if we are and for the destruction or the chaos, will be not creation at all.
1: Yeah. They're. they're- um, completely intertwined, chaos and in creation. Yeah. yeah, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, so we should manifest this kind of ideas, to rescue these ideas. Uh, not only for our spiritual uh, uh, ways, no. Also for the common things in life, it yeah. gives it gives you a better notion and connects you with this kind of Orthodox idea of disciplines that you must follow <laughs> to overcome
1: yeah yeah we i do think that discipline is a very important thing that you learn over time too like you have to have discipline to to get a to progress in life like you can't just um be uh when when you don't have discipline you just kind of being used by life you, you have to have discipline to gain control over life right you know
2: like yeah you need to control your own mind then you have to control your body and everything is connected from for after this everything just will happen um like some say uh, life happens right what happens with you while well, you have children uh, you have a job la la la, wherever life happens right but well, at the same time, it could happen that you are successful not only uh, in the way that you are uh, getting much more um, money or you know possessions, but spiritually you are rich, you are greater, you are getting much more stronger in your mind, in your body, and you are and you know to where you are going, or you know the things that you attract are the things that you want.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a big part of the big part of the whole path is is reaching that point, in which you're attracting these things, which you have, but you to get that through discipline. I think.
2: Yeah, because if you fall into the anxiety, into these whole things that makes you much more domesticated and comfortable, you will never find yourself. You will never find your own way.
1: Yeah, I agree. The um, one thing you mentioned a minute ago, with the Aztec kind of um, aspects of of like your kind of spirituality, like um, that's kind of more present on the Serpent's Lux album, right? Like, which I, I want to talk mm-hmm. about that too. Which is how did the Serpent's Lux come about?
2: Oh yeah, indeed. Well, this kind of thing it was such much more, so much more. Mm, wasn't so much uh, planned, right? Because I do have uh, already a history with this bandmate uh, through internet. And we I remember that we used to talk to each other only because he asked me for a logotype that it happens to be for this project, but it had a different name before. That was his, uh, his name for the band that he's using right now that is Borona. It means crow or raven in Russia, right? And and then he he realized that I I also make a, I I also had some projects before with bands as vocalist. I believe that he saw my video in which I was singing a cover of Sarcophago with Mystifier once in Mexico City. Oh, cool. So <laughs> I, he was kind of I believe that he saw that video and he asked me. Hey, you can do the vocals for my project and let's see what happened. I said, okay, I agree. But I didn't de- I didn't make it right away to the studio and put the vocals. Because it took uh, this happened in the 2016, you know, early 2016, when it this this kind of invitation happened. I don't even had the idea that I was going to live in Russia in the future as well. Right. Um so as soon as I get in Russia, he realized that I was here. so he said, oh let's do this thing and let's see what happens next. But it took me quite a lot of time because 2016, 17, 18, you know yeah. kind <laughs> of years quite, quite quite a lot of years because uh, I didn't have uh, the chance to keep myself uh, and sit and, and start to write the lyrics. It was a much more complex thing for this project. Uh, I believe that Noxifer was so much night so much more natural thing, because it was ideas I already had uh, harvesting from a long time, and I just expressed it right away. It was much faster, uh, but with this project it was the it was a studying. I I had to feel myself. Let's see, I am like, uh, I'm feeling like I am doing the work of my life, like in the university. I am making, I'm making uh, my, I will, it will be my thesis, right? Yeah. So I I started to study a lot of things that so much deeper into the current of anticozmic agnosticism. And at the same time, I wanted to make a little differential thing with this project. So I wanted to mix as well with the Aztec demonomancy ways, the Aztec view brought from the left-hand path, right? Yeah. So it, this kind of uh, manifestation of the anti-cosmic traditional Satanism with Aztec, Mayan, um, let's say, um, entities of the dark side. Right. When there's... It took me kind of... Took me a lot because not 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 necessarily because I had to revisit a lot of things of the uh, of the agnostic uh, current, but because I wanted to go deeper to the dark past of the Aztec ancient.
1: Right. Well, there's definitely. I mean, that's something that I've been interested in um, digging deeper in myself, just because I just find it very fascinating the whole um, darker side of Aztec mythology Mayan mythology like I mean cuz you have there's definitely a dark side there I mean um, I'm not sure how you pronounce like the 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 serp, the the I think is the name right of like the, the the serpent
2: well um well let's say that the the views of the um of the anti cosmic gnostic satanism the entity of Quetzalcoatl it is much more like the demiurge the, the Murgic figure because mm-hmm. he's the, the one that imposes uh, his own law o- over everything, right? Over the whole pantheon of of, of gods. Uh, and I decided to go instead with the darkest sides of the entities, of these entities, because they are as, let's say that they are kind of the same uh, level of Quetzalcoatl in as much as importance it goes, like the god of death which 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 is which is and he reigns in the mid that is the equivalent of the Aedes of the greek mythology
3: right yeah
2: and as well and not only that because he this demur has a, a brother and he and this brother he with this brother they actually ignited the creation of life in the universe in the African mythology and it's very curious because it goes mm, with the hand of the mytho- mythology of of the battle of Marduk and Tiamat. Okay. Because these two brothers co-atlantis they went to the to the beach where they are they wanted to to catch the the huge monster, this kind of reptile marine creature, that it was sipakli that is the equivalent of Tiamat. Um, they 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 started a battle with her, and when they kill her, from her guts and from her blood, it it was rising the whole universe. It was created, and it is very curious that it goes by the hand of the myth as well, of the the battle of marduk and tiamat which from her body as well was created the whole universe
1: yeah we also have even in the nordic myths you have um odin and his brothers um you
2: know yes i'm familiar with the history as well
1: yeah
2: and it's very curious that marduk uh you know marduk is as well uh the Murgic figure a god that is like a similar to Ketalcoatl in the same level. Okay. But this monster Tiamat, the goddess Tiamat and Zipakli, they they share the the same uh things, the, the the same categories of you know mothers of creation and destruction.
1: Right, they're kind of um the kind of draconian figure of uh chaos and yeah void.
2: Mexico is full of dragons of dragons as well.
1: Yeah. Well and then um yeah yeah, I've seen about a dragon or um, imagery, and then, of course, like you also have um, like um, like Santa Muerte is like a uh, kind of like a lot of people mm-hmm. think that she's like a uh, continuation of an old death, death goddess, right? An Aztec death goddess.
2: the it, it could be it could be manifested not only as the goddess of death, but as well. Mm, there is the feminine side of death as well, not only the the one that is manifested by the ancient Aztecs, which was Mitlantecuhtli, but Santa Muerte. It can be as well manifested as the feminine side, because as well had a wife, okay, uh, yep. which as well was reign, She was as well uh, in hell, in her, in the in the big in in her reign as well um well it could say that even this Santa Muerte whole thing it could be a reflection from the past not only a thing that just came out in recent years but it was something that is a reflection of the cult of death from the ancient Aztecs Mexicas as well
1: right yeah that's that's what I've read about because I'm very always been very fascinated by Santa Muerte and I have an altar to her and that kind of stuff as well and um uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff I've read is that even though her cult kind of came out publicly, I guess, in the 90s, right? Like it's probably been going on for you know, yeah, much longer. It, right? was,
2: it <laughs> was, it was, it was a kind of clandestine cult at first because it was only allowed to you know, to the people in Mexico with the, that had much more connections with the, um, uh, let's say. Illegal aspects of life, since murdering or or thieves, people like that, you know. And in jail, it was uh, where where it started the whole thing to spread out. And suddenly, in the streets, because as some prisoners uh, get their got their freedom, so it can spread in some of the popular neighborhoods of Mexico City. And and I believe that it was something that. It was expected to happen because the vision of us as Mexicans is not that the death is something bad or uh, something that you must uh, pray never happened because it will happen. Uh, You just need to understand that uh, when you are receiving this, you are not receiving a punishment, but it's kind of a gift for us because after a whole mm, hard work, uh, the whole hardships that you had been imprisoned in life, this a libera- This is a liberation, this is a prize, a, pr- a treasure that you are receiving after all.
1: Right. And then and there's also, that I know, if Santa Marta is like the idea that, you know, in a lot of ways she wants you to like enjoy your life so you can be happy to go to her or whatever. You know, I've heard people say things like that where it's like she'll help you with things in your life so that you can be protected and and whatnot
2: and yeah be 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 dangerous as death to protect your beloved ones and you know to keep that kind of um, of uh, reflection of the the stronger or the furious forces of the spirituality so you can protect yourself and protect others, the, the ones that cannot protect themselves. And it's something, of course, that to makes you realize that you are not special, you are not uh, this great king and you are rule over the whole world. Because as they said, memento mori, remember to die. And this is not just uh, a thing that is by popular um by, by by a popular phrase i mean which just to make you provoke a sensation or uh, a feeling of uncomfortable uh, taste but it's something to make you stronger to make you grow up to a bigger ideal to reach something to reach something special and bigger yeah
1: yeah i agree i um i think i think like that's something that Probably in Mexico, you're probably much closer to death than like Americans have this kind of fear of death. They feel like sometimes where they don't want to even think about it, you know. And it's like, um, but maybe that's kind of changing because I know that even Santa Muerte is like growing in the United States as well, even outside of the Mexican communities here. But like, I mean, like, I, um, um, I went down to, to like a local grocery store here and they had Santa Muerte candles, you know, and I'm not, I mean, I used to live in the more, um, Mexican, um, neighborhood in the past, but I don't anymore. And, uh, but they still had Santa Muerte candles, you know what I mean? So I feel like this kind of thing is starting to grow in a lot of places. So maybe people are starting to realize that they need to, to, uh, honor death, you know?
2: Yeah, it's good when you when you have a respect for your roots and you, and if you can spread it, uh, and you and you can make uh, people to realize that there's something else uh, beyond the the status even of religious or political things in life. It's very special thing because uh, the death is a a very powerful has a very powerful meaning not only for Mexicans because. Already really, wish you know, that there's there's a lot of traditions in Mexico in the Day of the Dead as well, but this goes so much, uh, much, 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 much more before, um, before the the conquistadors. Let's say before the Spaniards uh, that came up to Mexico. This is something that people wasn't afraid of death because they already knew that they have to live every day, like it was that that, that like it will be the last day of their life. You know, it need to be a person of work and progress, not only to 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 get the the food, but uh, as well to get the food for the spirit. Right? Yeah,
1: because yeah, stuff like the Day of the Dead, I think is again like something that probably stems from Aztec, like, I'm sure yeah, the Aztecs yeah. are doing it's Yeah,
2: yeah, it's related, of course, and uh, I believe that it's, it's one of the things that it makes uh, Mexico something unique. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that's
1: really cool, I've always, always was fascinated by, the, you know, obviously, like, growing up as a kid here, I'm in Colorado, so it's like, there's a pretty big hispanic like community and everything here i mean we used to be part of mexico you know like and uh yeah yeah <laughs> and and you know there are put you could see all the kind of day of the dead stuff i mean like the the, the skulls and all this kinds of stuff and even when i was a kid i was really fascinated by all this kinds of stuff like i just feel like death death in, in itself the figure of death or the grim reaper um has always been a really important figure for me since I was a little kid, you know, like I just always feel like a innate connection to these types of types of forces, you know?
2: Yeah. Indeed. Actually the, the whole thing about this, the, the, you know, the, the school, the school, um, the whole bone things, they are not only things that are related to the death, but they all also are kind of vessels of energy that are, um, in, Let's say uh, intertwined it with the other side, with the beyond, and this artifact, this can be expressed as artifacts as well of communication with the dead, with the other side, or whatever you want to call it. Huh?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people because
2: will... uh, bones bones aren't meant to say, "Hey, I have this this bone sarco's death death." This means death. No, this these are uh capsule in which i can go forward and uh, um, as well onwards in this the whole uh spiritual world
1: yeah yeah bone the bones like um skulls things like this they're, they're vessels that can kind of connect you with these these kinds of forces and the um yeah i just like even like i said even as a kid i feel like this kind of innate connection and then as you get older you kind of have to kind of um understand what's going on you know like why why do i have this connection to these things why am i attracted to these things and you start realizing that that's just your true nature you know i feel like part of everything is a connecting with your true nature and and um you know i think part of that too is connecting with with your roots like and um yeah i think it's cool that that you're doing that with with the serpent lux like connecting with that aztec uh your aztec roots like because i don't really see too many bands doing that and i think that's a really great um thing to to drop on you know i know there's like uh i think there's a band hawk they did some stuff with that was kind of yes. inspired by by aztec stuff but there's not too many as far as i know you know
2: well there's uh talking by myself uh, i can say that in mexico there's quite a lot of bands that have this kind of background um but they are not going to the darkest side of the of our culture you know they are probably um, expressing themselves with the whole idea of the mythology of aztecs or mexicas but they are um, keeping in Let's say on his throne to Quetzalcoatl, the one that I told you that is uh, the equivalence of the demiurgic figure of the of God, right? So uh, I guess that no many are following the, the left hand path, uh, seeking for the darkest aspect of the Aztec demonency.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, I, just from my experience, I mean, I don't. I haven't seen any other bands going as far as you've gone with the Serpent's Lux with uh, delving into that, you know, like the dark side of,
2: of everything. And uh, Well, probably there's bands that are more focused into the aspects as uh, of the ancient death of McLane or Santa Muerte, right? But as, as if I kind of think about some band nowadays, making something similar mixing the anti-cosmic traditional satanism with pre-hispanic <laughs> and culture i believe there's not quite a lot of perhaps not yet yeah
1: yeah maybe uh maybe maybe it'll grow i mean i mean i don't know we'll see but i think that
2: yes because uh, at the end of the day uh, this whole uh, gnosis is universal uh, i mean Satan is not uh, the only figure that will that you will find in your own world, in your own culture. Um, there, there will be different channels in which he manifests uh, his power, his his uh, his his own figure. Uh, for example, mm, in the way that this section started. Um, Started to mix a little Hinduism with Mahakali, yeah. right? Yeah. and this was like kind of why, what, what the hell is happening? Why he's talking first about Satan and suddenly he starts with Mahakali, with the Hinduist aspect, and that, that's why the the whole this is a whole encirclement, universal gnosis with the Satanism, not only strictly to satan with the one with the horse and the wings you know because after all at the end of the day this is a much more metaphysical view of things
1: yeah i think you can find these types of things in pretty much every culture in a way you know an expression of this type, type type of current and um the but uh i think there are some that are definitely a bit more i guess um so we're tied to it in a way like where where it's more of it more apparent you know that these connect where these connections are like you're describing like how connected to aztec mythology is you say the babylonian you know tiamat and everything yeah like, you know like sometimes there's just certain like ones where you can be like okay yeah there's a direct like you can see this kind of connection you know and i think yeah yeah the-
2: there's no there's no boundaries if you want to find the truth yeah.
1: there's no boundaries i think a b- big part of it comes down to finding the particular manifestations of these things that uh that you connect with most you know like i always look at it like the force of of what i call satan is something kind of um beyond everything it's almost like this kind of um black um force you know like that that projects itself forward and then there's like manifestation there's like forces that have kind of um share his his gnosis in a way you know but they're maybe more individualized version of it that's kind of how i always experience it where it's like um i see like something like say uh, i don't know like um samuel for example being a kind of uh manifestation of this satanic current in his own particular mm-hmm. like he has his own particular kind of um wisdom to share but he's connected to the the vast ocean that is the sand of satanic uh yes Satan. uh, he, he, he,
2: whatever whenever you whenever you wanted to reach out you can find these entities that they have a correlation even not directly but they have at least uh, one thing in common, and that's enough to to have this uh, the whole connection of the chaos mystic uh, energies surrounding them. Then I do remember as well, even here in Russia, uh, the Slavic uh, mythology it has as well these examples uh, with the Chernobyl, that is the black god, yeah. and the Demurgid side, like in every culture. They have, as well, uh, their own God. Um, and and it's, it's a thing that uh, you can very much understand. Once you get familiar with uh, certain cultures, certain mythologies, you can know the connection. And then you will have this kind of spark suddenly, in which you know that everything is connected. There's no boundaries for the whole power and wisdom that in encapsulates um the whole and mighty of satanism
1: yeah exactly yeah there's there's kind of like cultural manifestations and and i think it just depends on the person what they connect with you know like but it's kind of all leading to the same essential gnosis in a way you know what i mean like uh um yeah I, 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 the thing about slavic yeah with Chonabog or, or Vela, you know Vela is like the god of the underworld chonabag is like the black god like and yeah, there's like this kind of. Um, he, he almost reminds me of Araman in a way because he's much like how mm. Araman and or- Ormazad, who's like the, the god of light and the god of dark. Like you have, yeah, in yeah, mythology. I think um, it's Perun, and against Chernobog, mm-hmm. right? And Perun's like this kind of yeah, like, god of light, who kind of is equivalent of Thor, I think. And that's an interesting thing um, about.
2: I, I believe that there's uh, here a lot of uh, notions as well with Odin, as well. Yeah,
1: well, I think that's the interesting thing with uh, the Nordic mythology is that even though Odin technically was a force that kind of carved up Ymir in a way, like, he's also at the same time, like, Thor is more of the kind of light god, like, Odin's like more of a god of magic and darkness and stuff like that, really, he ended up becoming kind of because there originally you had Tyr and Thor which are kind of more of the, I guess, gods of order. And Odin was not really mm-hmm. a god of order in a lot of ways. Odin has more connection to Vela's in, so, um, in the way. So in the sense that he's I, not- do, I, do,
2: I I I do know that it was kind of assimilated, this idea as well in the Slavic uh, view of the myths. But of course, there's only this kind of um, adversarial energy and the other... That it want that wants only the order and by their rule to have control on everything, on the whole function of gods.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's always this kind of um kind of uh interplay between the gods of kind of order and then these kind of chaos forces or you know like gods of
2: darkness it has it it I, it it do has a kind of a chaotic nature but at the end of the day i can to, to me at least it much more in the on the side a little bit much more of the enlightenment of the individual probably i'm not so much into nordic culture of course but i do have my notion as well but yeah, I guess that it can be a chaotic uh char- character, but as well, it belongs uh, with his part on the side of light as well.
1: Yeah, Odin's kind of a funny character, yeah, because he ended up being kind of being a little bit of both in the end. Like, yeah. initially he was more the dark, sinister character, and um, he ended up be kind of taking over the the responsibilities of tier like uh later on in, in later nordic culture and this might be partially because he was he ended up kind of taking on the idea of the the one conferring like um divine the rulership and stuff like that so uh it's interesting the kind of development of some character like that but i think maybe um you could almost look at something like odin as being like a that at a certain point, what we were talking about earlier, that you have to have a certain amount of um discipline and control of your life to to then establish rulership. I feel like in a way, Odin almost re- represents this. You know, he's like this, for- this uh, probably force. Probably it's
2: a kind kind of reflection of overcoming. Yeah.
1: yeah, like like he's the force who goes to the chaotic, draws upon these dark chaotic forces, and and then becomes a ruler through the through them in a way you know like you can mm-hmm. kind of see that and then later on he kind of became like um i feel like um like the whole like light side of him almost seemed to be a little bit of a, a later date kind of um transformation like in a sense of how people started talking about him but um, it could be just also that like a manifestation of yeah like rulership like you you kind of re- go through these chaos forces and reach this kind of rulership but it's not really um, I don't th- know if it's really with Odin I don't think it was never really like um, a domination of the forces in the same way like with Thor like Thor's always fighting the the giant forces you know what I mean like like mm-hmm. um, he's trying to quell them even though he himself interesting the thing of Nordic stuff is that the there's like a kind of understanding of it as being a um, uh, bit more simplistic than actually is when you really dig into it, like the, 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 the gods and the giants and all these things are very, interconnected, like, connected, you know, like, um, so it's like, they're always like inbreeding with each other. And there's like, all this like interplay between forces. Of, there's like more interplay with that, with them. It's not really a, a good and evil necessarily um, until it's presented as such um at the end and we don't know if that's maybe a, a christian overlay or not but you know like it's interesting it's like there's like a lot that goes into all that that kind of stuff like that's one of the, the things that i have studied a lot in the past was the nordic type of um traditions because i because i worked with runes a lot in the past so and yeah. i still do yeah I like work of runes a lot yeah, yeah
2: in the in that in that area i guess which who has so much more uh, interesting views and opinions it could be my wife because she as well uh is into this kind of uh, much more um, esoteric nordic thing with the runes as you mentioned it yeah so, yeah
1: yeah it's kind of it's an interesting interesting subject and um but yeah it's funny because my my is actually from finland but um and i've studied a lot of fin- finnish like mythology as well um mm-hmm. but um I, I don't really consider myself like a uh i, I can you know like i, I drop on a lot of this type of information because i've studied it and i work with runes because the runes are kind of neutral like anybody could work the runes you know like you kind of have to understand the the viewpoint of the culture in a way to understand the expression of the runes but Runes in themselves have their own innate power, you know, and um I use them with whatever. Like, even though I primarily operate in kind of more of a satanic current, I still use runes, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, kind of uh, the thing that that I do know that, uh, for example, the Samatan, the the leader of Arcanum, he he manages. He he used to as well do such a, a thing similar with his current uh mixing the, the cosmic satanism with the runes and the you know nordic uh, sphere of the dark side
1: yeah and his kind of take on it was definitely you know uh, i think he calls it like the thurs true which is like the uh completely aligned himself with like the thurs and the type of chaotic you know um dark forces so it's pretty interesting reading his his books and his perspective on all the kind of stuff as well and obviously arcanum like uh is a you know they're one of the best swedish black metal bands out there i think you know
2: yeah i i I do believe that probably one of the reasons which um, gave me this kind of notion that i have to do it is was because of arcanum because I did realize that the current uh, was a little, a little, a little limited for my for my understanding at first, because I was into the satanic cognoscism uh, but in a traditional way, and I realized how kind of this kind of mix of things with their own culture from the Nordic uh, mythology with the dark aspects of the gods from that culture. So it was uh, influence I had as
1: well. Yeah, kind of influenced developing kind of your Aztec version of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> a little bit of this.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of like kind of went into the Serpent's lux like I really I think the Serpent's lux album is like um I really like how how dirty and grimy like a lot of them like yeah. you know it, it just hits hard like I like it.
2: <laughs> well, it uh- I, I can um, confess that it wasn't the goal to make it this hard, kind of harsh sound. At the end of the day, the thing that happened actually it was that the songs, the the, the songs originally it didn't have this kind of raw feeling, but it was why well, he was very curious because during the last uh, stages of the production, the songs were in in the computer of my friend of my man and it seems that his computer with the songs one day just like nothing it blows up explodes no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we had already a date to release this thing and we was thinking so you will re- record, re- record everything or what and he said well the only way to rescue rescue everything and save this thing is if i just make them a little bit more raw more harsh more a little bit more compression to be much more oppressive in a way so i i said okay let's go it is mm-hmm. good for me at least it it, it gives this kind of atmosphere or you know as i said oppression oppressive feeling of you are being molested by this music <laughs> at <laughs> least uh, in your conscious
1: yeah I, I think that it's kind of funny how um accident can be uh somehow actually be more appropriate like it kind of leads to a better result in a way because i think that that yeah because that aspect is amazing with the album you know
2: well it, it happened like an accident but it was for good for bad i don't know but if there's people that they like that way they love that way it's okay for me and if there's people there they can extend extend this and they think it's a waste of time for me it's okay as well it is it, <laughs> it, it made it made his purpose yeah. in any case
1: i think the, the result is very good like um but i'm also into i like a lot of times a little bit more raw like kind of harsh type of sounds and uh, I think that with mm-hmm. this music because it's very it's already very intense music I think it fits really well to be a bit harsher you know
2: Yeah well uh, I I do remember that I was in the process of okay let's see which will be the order of the songs and I do remember that the first uh, time that I was trying to do that was a little hard because and um, this kind, of, these songs, they are like they are sucking your soul, your energy, because they have this kind of state like trance. I could more or less say that, right? And um, in, in which, in this trance, you are captured and you start to feel that everything goes the same path, and you start to feel a little bit, uh, let's say, tired or bored, and you know. I mean, this energy was manifested already in the first stages. But then I re- I decided to make this kind of mix, not to go right away to the to the original idea of the order of the songs. And I guess that uh, it came out pretty good this way, because there's something that you don't really expect to happen in the moment, and then you are catching up when you when you let's think about it. You are already in capture yeah
1: i would agree yeah the way that the songs fall into each other like it um it changes and kind of i don't know for me it kept me like pretty pretty um every time i listen to it i feel very like uh and trapped into it where it's like you know it gets my attention like it kind of you know gives me that kind of like excited feeling you know you know, when you listen to something like real like i don't know for me i guess the sound of it just like really like it's kind of my kind of sound you know what I mean <laughs> like
2: well uh, I I guess that it's not so usual uh, for many people to listen this kind of music right away even for people that are really ha- are familiar with black metal uh, in my case I could put an example that this kind of atmosphere I can feel as well in bands such as uh, from the United States, Eklis, Eklis, I don't know how to yeah. uh, pronounce yeah. but you know, the band yeah. is the same people in yeah, right, okay. they have this kind of sound like nightmarish thing that it makes you feel like uncomfortable that there's something you not know, quite right happening, you know
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> I can relate a little bit too
1: yeah, I could definitely see that with the Serpent's Lux as well as maybe like um. A little bit of maybe uh here and there i got elements of uh old A- of kind of eosoth as well occasionally
2: yeah like- yeah yeah actually in the first stitches when i was checking the songs they were much more clean in much more clean production and i i was related to this kind of bands as well like all soft or even ascension yeah i guess that it was kind of uh, much more this sound of Icelandic black metal, so in a way.
1: Yeah, but I think the the kind of raw production is good. Like uh, even uh, a like on their last album, is pretty raw. Like he, I remember reading an interview they did with Bardo Methodology, and he said that he just put distortion mm-hmm. on everything. <laughs> He's like every instrument yeah, has distortion on it.
2: <laughs> I, I own I own the the first LP of this band and. I remember that when I was checking the, newest, the the latest thing, I was like, whoa, they just went completely insane. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think it's, I love the, the new album. It's like, <laughs> it's very harsh. Yeah.
2: the um... Yeah, very harsh. But there's no, I mean, it's not for everyone. Even if you are into black metal, it's not even for everyone in black metal. I mean, it's for people that already have this notion with the, uh, uh the specific style of orthodox uh, black metal you know
1: yeah exactly like i definitely think between the two like knoxford is probably the one that would probably be more um easy for people to to get into and then serpents Lex is like for the people who like this kind of stuff already you know what i mean (laughs) yeah
2: well as i said before um as Orthodox are the disciplines of the lyrics. The music goes hand by hand, you know? Yeah. And and I believe that uh, what happened with Serpent's Looks is that as deep are the lyrics are complex as well, the music went as well. And as well, the same energy of the words with the whole, um, let's say, much more negative energy it was manifested in the music as well
1: yeah and then and then also i noticed too like the your vocal approach is slightly different for each project like it can kind of tell you're kind of like taking from what the music and the lyrics are reflecting you're kind of pro- projecting that into the lyric the vocals where it's like i can tell it's it's you on you know obviously with, like you have your own, your own sound, but then you're also kind of doing a little bit different things for each project, right? So I kind of like that you're expressing yourself in different well, of ways.
2: Course. Of course, in serpent's in Lux, I wanted to make something much more chaotic, much more uh, instinctively aggressive, but at the same time with a devotion, you know, following the text, um, trying to give... Uh, own expression to the words I was trying to to explain to to express so I believe yeah it has his own style because innoxifer of course is so much more like a unleashed energy which already know uh, what to to what is heading up to but in noxifer, in noxifer I mean in, in it was much more like a let let's say no dirty way but uh conscious way in which i wanted to be a purpose um, aggressive and mean and catching this negative atmosphere
1: right yeah i think you definitely succeeded
2: though
1: <laughs> huh? so, well yeah yeah oh, I, I like it. <laughs> but i have to close out here as soon as i gotta get to do some stuff but um no. Do you have anything else coming out um, in the near future, or are you kind of just focusing on uh, promoting Serpent Lux and doing your art and stuff for, for right now?
2: Well, last time when I was in Mexico, like uh, when it was like four months ago, I was in Mexico. Um, I started to. I'm making a test. I, it's not yet an official recording, but it will be the. I, I recorded the vocals for the, let's say, debut album of Noxifer. Okay, cool. Um, well, I guess that we will see what happens. It's not like uh, we need this as soon as possible. We'll wait. This cook up. This we be cooking up a little bit. So. Well, there's a plan of this um, in the future Um, for Serpent's Looks. um, The day when it was released, the the album already my badmate sent me a video, and he started to work on the second full length. He already bought a new computer. He bought himself a, a. New pedals for the guitar because they got wasted as well with the accident. Yeah. So he's he's creating in the creation creation process, and yeah, that's the only things at least that are pretty obvious for the future to come.
1: Cool. Yeah, kind of kind of in progress. The um, mm-hmm. oh, that has been great talking to you. I, could, I think uh, it was probably. Uh, cool to have you back on again at some point so we can talk about uh other stuff even like because i feel like I feel like there's like even more stuff we could talk about
2: <laughs> sure we can talk whatever you want <laughs> yeah. there's uh, there's this kind of uh, fascination as well that i have the whole time with the subjects of the not only anti-cosmic uh, gnosis but as well you know the things of the music uh, related or even how it uh, improves uh, with our our own our own actions in life to get connected with uh, people alike is very pleasing for me
1: yeah yeah it's been great like actually getting to talk to you so and i think uh this people definitely will be uh this this episode will come out um i think in september so because i'm kind of far ahead so we'll <laughs> but uh, i'll yeah. be in i'll be in yeah. contact with you so sure sure perfect well thanks brother have a good night
2: a good night and well yeah night there is not night yet there right yeah uh, it's daytime yeah it's afternoon
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> here is almost midnight actually
1: yeah that's <laughs>
2: it's late there <laughs> it's special time
1: yeah well i'm gonna close this out